reminding us of the source behind the battles we all face. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. We wrestle against principalities and against powers, against the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the battle. It is not your spouse. It is not your children. It is not the neighbor. It is not your employer or your employees. It is, in fact, a spiritual battle. Satan is trying to discourage you, depress you, take you down, make you angry, and ruin your witness in front of other people. It happens to everyone. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing, it's not long after becoming a Christian before you realize it's a battle. And if we're not careful, we can be drawn into fighting on the wrong front or even forget that there's spiritual warfare and get clobbered. So we need to be on our guard. Well, today's Grow in Grace will provide the needed reminder and help equip us for the fight. We're so glad you're with us as we near the end of our study in 1 Timothy. Chapter 6 reminds us of the battle we face along with the priorities we're to maintain. Pastor Ed begins by reading this very practical scripture. Let's follow along as he does. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, we'll start in verse 7, so it makes a little more sense. Paul writes, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, notice it's the love. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, He who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, 
Guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's stop there and pray. Thank you, Lord, that you give grace to us. We pray that you'd give us grace now that we might hear and understand and grow in your word. We ask it in Jesus' name and all of God's people agreed by saying... Amen. Priorities. Boy, what an important subject. Having breakfast with a bunch of guys after the men's prayer, and uh, they were talking about hunting. It reminded me of this story I'd heard a while back. A whole bunch of friends had gone deer hunting together, and uh, when they got to the site, they decided to split off into twos. Two by two, they went out hunting together all day long, and finally at the end of the day, at dusk, there was still uh, one of the guys missing. They're all around the campfire, and finally he comes staggering into camp carrying a 200-pound buck all by himself. And uh, they were surprised to put it down. He said, where's Bob? And he said, oh, he had some kind of a stroke back up the trail a couple of miles. They said, what? Why did you leave him and bring the deer? He said, well, it was a tough decision. You know, I waited. I figured no one was going to steal Bob. <laughs> Priorities. That's what we're talking about. All right. So there's a guy named Albert Gray, who's an efficiency expert, uh, written a business consultant, uh, and he spent a lot of his life, he said, looking for the one, one trait successful people share, one thing that is in common. His book is entitled The Common Denominator of Success, and he said he was surprised that it was not hard work, although all people that were successful all different kinds of backgrounds in business, in sports, in music, whatever. He said, it was not hard work. It was not the ability to get along with people well, although both of those things were important. He said, quote, the one factor that transcends all the rest was the habit of continually putting and keeping first things first. Whether we consciously think about it or not, every one of us, each of us, all live according to priorities. We prioritize things in our mind, and the things of primary importance is up in front. He was saying you keep the most important thing, the main thing, all of your life, and then you become successful at no matter what it is. That thing you put a higher value on than all the other things. Now, Scripture, the Bible, is a book of priorities, both God's priorities for us and then our own priorities and the difficulties that that leads to. God encourages us throughout the Bible to recalibrate, to recheck our priorities. And so these verses kind of force us to do that together. It's been doing that in my life all week long. So is our main priority to please God or is it to please ourselves? Uh, Paul told the Corinthians that priorities are critical because, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 3, because there's going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put to the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. 
Now that verse is not talking about salvation. That's a free gift of grace through faith to each and every person. But it is talking about the second half of that verse in Ephesians 2.9 that says we have been saved towards good works that God has already pre-appointed certain things for us to do. So you don't gain salvation by doing good works, but it is the result of salvation in your life. So we've arrived at the last part of Paul's first letter to a young man named Timothy. He was in his, Timothy was in his first pastorate in a very difficult city. Ephesus was the capital city of Asia Minor in the Roman Empire. Everything east of what would be today the western coast of Turkey was under the jurisdiction of Ephesus, the city. It was famous as a banking center and a library center, but most importantly, it was known for its temple to Diana, or Timaeus. It was a temple that was basically a house of prostitution that worshiped in much of the ancient world towards different gods all involved that problem of prostitution. So what a place to have your first church. And Timothy is struggling. It's a dangerous position. It's challenging. In fact, persecution was already started in the church, and Timothy, his life is in danger. In fact, later on, at 90 years old, Timothy was killed in the streets of Ephesus for preaching. So Paul wrote these letters to encourage him. It's very early in his time there. And God has left them, these letters, this one and the next one we're coming to, to encourage us. And he's focused on the area of difficulty in Timothy's life, and he calls it a battle, a fight. And it is a spiritual fight that goes on in every believer's life. Once you surrender your life to Jesus, then Satan starts opposing you. And those difficult times that you're facing are not just circumstances, not just coincidences. It's the enemy trying to discourage you. So Paul writes about it. He breaks it up into three parts. The the love of money, 9 and 10, these three things, flee, pursue, and fight, 11 through 16, and then priorities, 17 through 21. So let's jump in and see what God might say to us, starting here in verse 9 about our own priorities and our own life. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. So uh, people who long to be rich, another translation says. Philip says, for people who set their hearts on being wealthy expose themselves to temptation. If you're living to be rich or to become rich, you are in danger spiritually, Paul is saying. You can have very little, be destitute, be poor, and still be living to get rich. So it has nothing to do with how much or how little you have right now. But God gave us the correct priority even in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. God speaking through Jeremiah, he said, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he or she understands and knows me, God says. You want to boast about something, boast that you are God's and that you are 
working towards understanding him more and more. That he understands and knows me that I am the Lord, the only true Lord, who practices steadfast love, God of love, the God of justice and righteousness in the earth. So there's God's view of the priorities in the Old Testament that the most important thing that you and I can focus on in life is knowing, understanding God. That's why we study this book. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Hanny's reminding us of the greater value of God's Word and why we study it. Now to take us further into this cautionary section of Scripture, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9. Once again, here's Pastor Ed. Fall into temptation. Fall. The word empito is in the present tense, which means that it's a continual danger every day. If you're pursuing after riches, temptations will come your way, and they will ensnare you. They will cause you to stumble, and they continually do so for anyone whose life is focused on that priority. Oh, I know it doesn't seem like it. It goes all the way back to the psalmist uh, Asaph said, when I saw the rich prosper who were evil, it almost stumbled my feet. But then I went into the house of the Lord and I remembered eternity because it doesn't hang on the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we're here. Eternity is in the balance. Greedy people are often compulsive, is Paul's point. They're more easily trapped into sins. Oh, you and I may not see it, but of course God does. Verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So it is the root. Now the word root Paul puts it in front of this verse to emphasize the importance of the word root. White said, a Greek scholar at Moody Bible College said, for a root of all the evils is the fondness of money. Think about crabgrass in your lawn. It's the root that is the problem. If you just pull the top off, the root, of course, will about this time of the year start to grow again. So uh, you have to take care of, get rid of the root. That's what Paul is speaking to here. Love of money is an interesting phrase. Uh, phila agario. And uh, phila, we know, is the love of. Philadelphia is supposed to be the city of brotherly love, maybe. But Argario is, in fact, silver. So the love of silver or the love for silver. Silver, of course, the chemical symbol is AG, and it comes from this word, argoribia. So in their greed, orogomea, greediness, means to stretch yourself out, to, to reach out for something constantly. Very uh, clear picture. So if you're living for money, if you're fond of money, if you're working towards money, in love with silver, that you are therefore stretching yourself out, grasping for it, and you will stumble. You will find yourself pierced through, it says, with many sorrows, stabbed. They cut themselves. That's how to attain a sorrowful life, is what Paul is saying. Just love money. Make money the first priority of your life, and you will have many, many sorrows. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 21. 
Where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. What do you treasure? What's the most important thing in your life? Your first priority. If it's finances, careful, you're already in trouble. Now, he builds on that. Paul builds on that for Timothy in verse 11. But you, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue other things. And there's six fruit of the Spirit, they're called in Philippians. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. You are God's man, is what Paul says. It's a very unusual phrase in the New Testament. It is in the Old Testament, applied to men like Abraham and David and Joshua, but usually to prophets. Some of them aren't even named man of God. Very unique. Paul is encouraging Timothy, and you and I will see in his second letter, because you and I can be men and women of God, Also, that's God's plan for us. So it's meant to encourage him. And even the title is interesting, O Man of God. Those are two completely disjointed ideas. Man who is weak and frail and struggling and making mistakes all the time. And God who is perfect, who is powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. He says, you are a man of God, a woman of God, ladies. Not a man of the flesh, not a woman of the flesh of physical things, but one who chases after things of God. Well, Pastor, I struggle with that. Welcome to the human race. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, he comes in and begins to change you from the inside out. And you will find yourself more and more focused on pleasing God than pleasing yourself if you'll just let the Holy Spirit have control of your life. So, we need to claim that title for ourselves. He tells us, tells Timothy and us three things. Flee, pursue, and fight. Flee means to run away from, right? Pretty simple. But he's talking about these things, these things that stumble people, excess baggage in your walk, things that hold you down right now. You know what they are. The Holy Spirit will show you if you have them. He certainly shows me often enough. Flee from those things, and, but pursue, chase after, follow after something else. The Greek word dikito means to run after, to embrace, try to grasp, and he's going to use that word a lot here, to get a grip on these six different fruits of the Spirit. Uh, rightness before God, that means you keep short accounts with God. You confess your sins as quickly as, after, as possible after you've done them. Godliness, God-likeness, that's something that God does in you, but you keep going back to the Lord and asking for it. Faith, faith comes by hearing. It's happening right now. We're studying God's word. By hearing the word of God, faith comes to you. Love, this is agapos in the Greek language. It means selfless love that you give away. So love that is a choice. It's my decision to love other people. And you and I have uh, that same choice. Patience, upomundi, a dual Greek word that means to get underneath something, to be under the weight of something and stay steady, to walk down the road of life with a burden that Jesus said is easy, but stay underneath it. Faithfulness, staying towards the goal. Patience, waiting. Now, these last two are difficult things to do together. To be patient and be gentle. Because when we're impatient, we're usually not gentle. Don't ask me how I know that. There's just this thing that wants to come over you when, they, when somebody takes your lane on the freeway. You know that one? Wait a minute, that's my lane. So, 
pursue after those things. The third one is uh, fight, interesting word, agonomizia, and it's the Greek word where we get our English word to agonize, and it comes from the Olympics, from sports, as well as from a military campaign. We are in a fight. You are in a struggle spiritually. It is not a physical one. It is not a material world fight. It is, in fact, something that goes on in the spiritual world. Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against physical things, but against principalities and against powers, powers in heavenly places, the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the battle. It is not your spouse. It is not your children. It is not the neighbor. It is not your boss. It is not your employer or your employees. It is, in fact, a spiritual battle. Satan is trying to discourage you, depress you, take you down, make you angry, and ruin your witness in front of other people. There's the summary of the battle. It happens to everyone. Now, I didn't pay enough attention to this verse this week. I had, it was a bad week, we'll just put it that way, and could have gone a lot better, and I forgot until about Thursday, late this week, I went, wait a minute, this is hell. This, not this place, but <laughs> what's going on, the force behind what's going on, and begin to pray that way. Duh, that kind of a thing. So flee, first of all. What thing? Scripture says there's three things that you and I must flee from. Oh, we're to stand and fight certain things. He's going to talk about those. But things we are to run from, three of them. Number one, flee immorality. First Peter 2.11, flee youthful lust, which war against the soul. Run from them. First Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. God gives us a moment. He shows us a way of escape. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in the midst of every temptation, there's a way of escape. There's a fire escape. There's a door there. Just run. That's what Joseph did in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife was trying to draw him into a relationship. He just had to run out the door. And God gives us time to do that. Just get away. Flee. Second thing he tells us to flee from is idolatry. Sometimes it's connected to immorality. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry because of all the temples and whatnot. Uh, 1 John 5, 21, Little children, keep yourself from idols, flee. And there's a lot of idols in life besides sexual ones. There's drugs and alcohol and gambling and there's cars and there's boats and there's motorcycles and, and there's stuff, right? But he says run from them, flee from those. You're tempted just go somewhere else. Do something different. Lastly, he says, the love of money. Flee from that. Don't go there. Don't go to Las Vegas. Hello? Riches are not eternal is the point. Riches do not bring contentment, even though they seem like they should. Riches cause greater temptations than the one you're already under, can produce greed in our lives, which blinds us to other people's needs which is why God would bless our life with riches. Uh, pursuing riches can lead us away from faith in God and in trusting him. We start to trust on the finances that we have, and it can destroy our lives. It's just that simple. Today on Grow in Grace, we brought you a portion of Pastor Ed's study in First and Second Timothy. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844 844- 
844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on iTunes as well. We can hook you up with many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Speaking of resources, today we'd like to make special mention of Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, authored by renowned surgeon Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. Together they explore the human body and uncover statements that God has made about our bodies. They point out that the human body is like a window into the very structure of God's creation and a testament to God's glory. This month, we'll send this to those of you who support Grow in Grace with a donation of any amount. You might think of it as our way of saying thanks. Please remember that your gifts help us to bring Pastor Ed's teachings to the radio every day. To make a year-end contribution, go online at thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. And it's a real blessing when we hear back from our listening audience. Whether it's a word of affirmation or a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email today. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in First and Second Timothy with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now build with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world